going to talk about being courageous men, and I was hoping that we could pass the rain test, and, uh, and it looks like we're passing the rain test. I almost didn't pass the test, so I was, uh, I was like, God, give me one good reason why I got to go, and he says, you're preaching, and I was like, oh, all right, I'll go, I'll go. Jason was talking last week about we're a name of Jesus Church in Acts 3, and I'm, we're going to be in Acts 4 uh, this week, and we're, we're going to talk about being courageous men. We're a courageous men's church. Now, I want to say up front, I'm speaking to our men and our fathers, but ladies, this message is no less for you. I know we have single moms that have to play both roles of a father and a mother in their life, and I know it's the same for Mother's Day, when, on, on, for the men on some of those sides, but this message is no less for you. But as I address our men, I'm just going to appeal to you to apply that to your own life, and you know, so I don't have to keep apologizing for it and reminding you. So, but I want to be. I want to talk to our men about being courageous men, and we're going to look at a story in Acts four. And Jason started this last week, you know, as uh, uh, Peter and John have come in contact with this. Uh, lame man, and they heal him. And Jason did such an amazing job last week at talking about the name of Jesus. And, and, and so this story is, is started there in chapter three, but it's going to continue in chapter four. And the plot is going to thicken. You know, but when I used to counsel, I would have people come into my office all the time with what's going on in their life. And I had to make some assessments as they were telling me how their lives were coming apart. I mean, I talked with parents and kids and people who are going through divorces, people going through grief and just through every different stage of life that they were going through. And part of my job as a counselor was to help assess that situation and help them give them a good navigating point or some next steps to hopefully not just go through the things that they're going through, but to make it through the things that they were going through. So I learned this early on. So say this with me. There's more. I'll give you another chance. There's more going on than's going on. Say one more time. There's more going on than is going on. I learned that as a counselor, no matter what I was being told in that moment, there was always more going on that was going on. I was getting the highlights, but I wasn't getting the details. I was getting what happened, but I wasn't getting how they got there. And so oftentimes for us in our life, we have to, we come to God over and over and we say, God, I need you. God, help me. God, what, what have I done? And all these things. And we want him to deal with what our situation is, but God more as a so in our life wants to deal with how we got there. And when we deal with how we got there, then the other side of those things will become much easier for us as we walk through them. But here's the, in, in uh, Acts 4, I'm going to read this story to you. Uh, if you've got grace for me, because I've got 21 verses to read. Now, I know it doesn't seem like much, because there it is right there. Now, that, does that seem like that, that much? You think you can hang with me for one page? You know, I, don't drift off on me. Don't get your phone out. Start Googling, looking at the weather app, wondering if the, it's going to, you know, are we really going to have pulled pork sandwiches? That might be what you're thinking about. And how can you think about that when you just got done eating a giant steak? I don't know. But I'm doing it already. See, I'm doing it. Sorry, forgive me. So let me read this to you. So Acts 4, verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter while they were speaking to the people. 
they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Cephas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power or what, by what name did they do this? Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Verse 11, you still with me? Hanging in there? All right. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished as they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and, to, and then conferred together. Verse 16, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further amongst the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Well, you did a good job. Anybody fell asleep? You still with me? All right, good, good. Well, I want to look at three ways through this story we can learn to become courageous. And do me a favor, Ken, do me, grab my water over there. I asked him to go get me the water and then I left it in the chair, so. But three ways that we can be, learn how to be courageous. Thanks. This will be my big test right here, just to drink water in front of you. But here they are. I mean, when you think of, so in this story, what, what I open up, there's more going on that's going on. The tension last week was clearly in the story of the lame guy getting healed. 
The tension was that God came and they preached his name and by his name, he was healed. But the story doesn't stop there. It's this amazing thing about our life that somebody maybe even today or maybe at some point in your life, you've given your heart to Jesus. You've stood in this church and you said, I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. And in that moment, you can find some of the greatest relief for your life, the greatest hope that your life is going to be better. It's almost as if somebody came in in that moment and windexes your world. And no matter what's going on, it just doesn't seem that anything else matters in that moment. And in that moment, it seems to be all about you, or it might be about me in that moment. But there's more going on that's going on. The first thing I want you to understand about your life, there's way more going on in your life than you realize. Don't let your circumstance become the driving force in which you relate to God and in which you approach him. Yes, we need to come, but there's more that God wants to do through your trials. You might just think, God, I just really need to pay this bill. Don't know how I'm going to pay my insurance premium this year, Lord. And if you could help me with that, you can think it's about that moment. But there's way more that's going on in your life and what God is doing than, than is going on. And this is that circumstance because where the story was about the lame person, now it's becoming about John and Peter because of what they've done in the name of Jesus. And so God is going to take his heart for this lame guy because he wanted to heal him. He wanted to help him. He wanted him to feel better in his life. And he did that. He, he heals the guy. But there's more going on that's going on. And the church is going to find a great strength today in what Peter has done. So let's look at verse 8. Courageous men are filled with the Spirit. And it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, we are being called. Let me pause right there. Because before you can really understand how powerful of a message that Peter is giving, I want to jump back over to verse 13 real quick. And it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. I love that. How many of you men are grateful that that doesn't say they were above average, exceptional, very few that are like them? Because we wouldn't have any place to stand. I love the fact that they're ordinary men. But if you look at the, the, what is going on, when they, these, these, are, these are very well-educated people who are... Uh, interrogating them, who are bringing them before with accusations, but they see something in them. And in fact, it says they're, or they're, they were unschooled. Uh, you could look at this another way. Another translation says they were unprepared. So in really simple terms, how, how many of you are lawyers? Anybody, any lawyers in the church? Okay. So if I am not a lawyer and I go before the court to represent myself, how many of you would think that would be a good idea? How many of you think that'd be a really poor idea? No matter what it was in my head, I can do this. I was there. I know what I saw. I know what I did. I'm going to represent myself here. And this is the moment. This is, Peter, you're not a lawyer. You've spent most of your ministry sticking your foot in your mouth. There's things that you say all the time. You got to remember, here's Peter. He's walking along with Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, I'm not going to be with you forever. And Peter says, I don't whatever want you to go. And it's all right. 
They got it. Somebody fell. They're okay. Well, Lord, bless them. Help them right now in Jesus' name. Remember, there's always more going on that's going on. So come back. <laughs> but he's going he's gonna to open his mouth. Remember, Jesus said to him, uh, I'll go back to that part. He says, you know, when, when he says, I'm not going to be with you forever. And here's Peter. And he's like, but God, I don't want you to go. And, and God, Jesus literally turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, if you're walking along with Jesus and he turns around and says that to you, that's a pretty notable thing. I mean, if it's me, I'm feeling pretty discouraged in that moment. Really? Thanks, Jesus. I mean, I've only been following you everywhere, and now you're going to turn around and say that to me. But Peter is doing things often in his own abilities. We can approach our, our understanding of God and our understanding of his will in our life. With, when we do that with our own ability, when we do that with our own outlook, when we do that with our own reasoning, when we do that in a way that seems right to us, we're often going to make a mistake. So when they say they were astonished that here's Peter addressing the court in an un-Peter characteristic. He's tapped in to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes on him and he gives this eloquent, most eloquent response. Can you imagine some of those? They're probably looking at them going, this should be a slam dunk, guys. We're going to run these guys out of town. We might even have time to get some pulled pork after this is over. And I just lost my water. Here, let me, let me finish the job. There you go. Thanks, John. Oh, hey, we got another bottle. Awesome. I am an ordinary man. <laughs> Quick expecting perfection out of me. Stop it. But he has this eloquent response. I've had a couple of those moments in my life when I opened my mouth and God did something that I wasn't expecting. I did something I didn't think I could do. Oftentimes it came out in that counseling because I'm really thinking, you know what I'm thinking as a counselor? Oh Lord, they've got the wrong dude. God help them. You know, I didn't charge for my first like two or 300 hours because I was too scared to, to be like, I'm gonna mess them up, man, I don't know. But in that moment, but there were some moments that God just broke through. Because I had that position with God, that God, I'm here for you, I'm here to help, I want to, be a part of what you're doing in this. And when I opened my mouth, something happened and the Holy Spirit came in and he made this happen. And courageous men are filled with the Holy Spirit. So now that we've breezed through that part, I want you to listen to what he's doing. Because remember, they're going to pick on him. They're thinking this is a slam dunk and they don't even get to say anything. I imagine they're gonna try to get them to try to confess somehow that they've done this in the name of Jesus. But what is... Peter do? Let's look what he, he just takes their whole argument right off. I mean, in a couple of sentences, this is all over. Then Peter, what is it? It says, then Peter, what? what, what? 
Does it, is it not up there? Oh, eight, verse eight. That would help. It's clearly right here. Clearly. I don't know what you guys are, what your problem is. All right. So Peter what? Filled. What happens if Peter's empty? Nothing. He's going to use his own intellect, his own thing. Men, we've been there. Over and over in my life, I've been in that moment. Over and over and over in your life, you've been in this moment. What next that comes out of my mouth next will either make me or break me. And over and over in my life as a man, I have found myself broken, later healed, later restored, later in those things. But in this moment, Peter is filled. And if you want to have a good relationship with God, then I pray that you would cry out to God to be filled. Fill me, God. If you said that every time before you opened your mouth, you might avoid a lot of things in your life. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of people, if we are being called according to the count today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and was being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed, period. He took their whole argument. He just put it right out there. And when you put your faith out in front of you and you call out what God is doing in your life, you've got to know that what happens here for them, God is going to move on your behalf. He doesn't know it until he says it. He still, even though he said it, he doesn't know what's still going to happen. Remember, there's more going on that's going on. I'm sure Peter in this moment and not only has he been in jail, not only has he been crying out to God, I'm sure all the what-ifs in his life are, have been challenging him. He's like, man, we're done. I mean, they crucified Jesus. What are they going to do to us? I'm sure all the what-ifs played out as no different than they play out in our life. So he has this great moment, and then he's still got to wait and see what's going on. But courageous men are filled with the Spirit. And I encourage you to ask God to fill you so that when you need him in that moment, that you will be filled as well. Next, I want to talk about courageous men speak about what they've seen and heard. Let's look over at verse 18. So here they are. They've seen that they're, they're, these are ordinary men. They're, they're speechless. They're dumbfounded. They know All they know is they've been hanging out with Jesus. And in verse 18, after they, they take them out of the room and they conspire some more, then they call, verse 18, they call them in again and command them to speak, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help but speak, help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And courageous men speak about what they've seen and heard. Think about it in your life. Think about what you speak about. Think about what you repeat that you've heard. And I know that you hear some good messages at the vineyard. 
I know that we're tough on our men. We want you to, to walk with God. We want you to follow him. We want you to put him first in your life. So it's not, I know that you're getting those things, but learning how to get it from here to here is probably one of the hardest journeys anything is going to happen in your life. It's just like, I know what I should do. What did Paul say? But I do the things that I don't want to do. I don't want to do them, but I do it anyway. And it's no different for me in my life because I'm an ordinary dude. And I have to learn that if I'm going to be courageous in my life, that I have to learn to speak about what I've seen and I've heard. And that means you might have to change the way you talk. It might mean you have to change the way you think. It means you might have to quit thinking about what the world wants you to think about and start anchoring your heart in the things that God wants you to think about, the things that Jesus wants you to think about. I know that that, that is a difficult thing because in the moments where we're crying out to him, that's when the enemy is the most at work in our life. He's trying to get us to a point where we'll, we'll give up on our faith, or we'll give up on our family, or we'll give up on our marriage, or we'll give up on our kids, or we'll give up on our bills, or we'll give up on all those responsibilities that we have. But if you will learn to speak about what you've seen and heard in Jesus, your life will be transformed. You will begin to follow a different path in your life, and it won't change overnight. Because I know when we look at Peter, we know that he has spent a whole, his, you know, his whole ministry so far sticking his foot in his mouth and now the Holy Spirit's on him. And this is a different Peter. This is a different man. This is, I'm sure he's remembering those stories when he walked with Jesus and Jesus told him, because as much as I said in that moment where he says, get behind me, say, I know there were thousands of times that he says, man, Peter, it's okay, man. I love you, man. This is going to work out. Don't worry about it. So I got this. You're going to do this. Greater things are you going to do. I know that he spoke things to them. And now in this moment, he's being a courageous man speaking about what he's seen and heard. Now, I want to relook at this same scripture because there's another point I want to, want to get you to. It's, to be, it's courageous men stand their ground. Would you think, can you look at the story here and see where Peter has stood his ground? He's in front of the court. Everything he says matters. They're looking for a reason to kill him. They're looking for a reason to get rid of him. They're looking for anything that they can find. And Peter has the courage to stand him ground. But when I read verse 18 through 20, again, I want you to see how he's, I want you to see in the text, because before we're talking about courageous men are, speaking about what they've seen and heard. But look at the difference. Verse 18 again. Then they called them in again, trying to intimidate them, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John stood their ground and replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. I love that. I love that as a man that I can say, God, I need you in this moment, which is right in my own eyes or which is right in your eyes. And we got to learn how to stand our ground. We like it. There's part of us when somebody gets in our face, we don't have any problem. We'll, we'll puff up in those moments, right? Or we're driving in the car and somebody cuts you off, you puff up pretty good. You know, you've been in that situation where they want to get over and you speed up just a little bit so they can't do it. 
right? Yeah, I know, I know. You're thinking, he's been following me around. And those moments, what seems right for me or my family, when my wife's trying to talk to me about something, and in my mind, I've, I've already cut her off because I've already made up my mind where I'm at. That's not the standing ground I'm talking about. I'm talking about standing your ground in your faith, being of, of, what, of, of what God's seen and done in your life and standing in that ground, which is gonna change you, which is gonna change you. Now, Jason's gonna be in chap, at the end of chapter four, and I, I know he's not in the room, so, because he's gonna pick up next week about it being a praying church. But if I can, I'm gonna sneak a verse out. Don't tell him, don't tell him. This is gonna be our, this has gotta be our trust here, all right? And so I wanna look over at, uh, let's go to Acts 4. Let me see, I think it's 28. Verse 24, it says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now it says, sovereign Lord, they said to you, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And so this is just this little reference. Now the the scripture he's gonna read uh, and refer to in Psalms is actually Psalm two, but this this almost verbatim of what, it says in Psalm 24. Now I have two favorite verses and two chapters in my life that are probably my life chapters. One is 1 Peter 5, and the other is Psalm 24. And I want to give you a little bit of direction because to be men of courage, we're gonna have to learn how to do something crazy in our life that if we're going to find this relationship with God, all right? So, men, do you want to be men of courage? I have three. Men, do you want to be men of courage? Yes. All right, Jason talked about jump on. Now, this isn't, I, 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 I want to preface this because I see that it would be more courageous for some of you to jump out of an airplane without a parachute than to go serve in our kids' ministry. Take the plane and the no parachute. I will take my chances. I will find a big bale of hay somewhere, and I, if God, he loves me too much, he's gonna let me land on that big bale of hay. It's gonna break my fall. And why does it seem backward courage to go do something so incredible in somebody, a young person's life? Pastor uh, Rick Jackson, who's my good friend, he'll be here in the next service, but he oversee, him and his wife, Chelsea, they oversee our prayer ministry. And if you remember last year when we were gone, our video stopped working and Pastor Rick got up and he finished the message. Did an amazing job. But what you don't know is that he was a stinky middle schooler that I hung out with. In fact, we went on a trip once and he packed in a duffel bag all of his dirty clothes. There wasn't an ounce of clean clothes in the bag. Dirty socks, dirty underwear, dirty shirt, everything. When he got in, it was literally like that scene. What was it? Is it pig pen and peanuts? There was just a cloud around him. He was my bundle. I didn't know then. All I knew is that God wanted me to invest in his life. 
In fact, the two kids that I gave most of my time became pastors. I didn't know that up front. All I knew is he was a smelly middle schooler that God, how could you do anything with him? I don't know. Is there somebody more together that you could give to me that I could look at and go, there's hope. There's hope for all my time here. But God had a deeper plan because there's more going on that's going on. But when you look at our kids' ministry over there and you see in a world of fatherless kids, lack of fatherly direction, and I know that this, again, I'm I'm addressing it to men in general, that you have something that you can contribute. I'm not asking you to be perfect because we are ordinary men. Right? I'm not saying that we're going to put somebody in there that's unsafe. We, were, we certainly do that. We, uh, everybody's going to have to pass a background check. But if it comes to your time, and it comes to what God will do with the generations behind us, because it's not about you, it will be for a little bit, because you're going to have to find courage to take a step out and go do something extraordinary, but you'll never know what the full effect will be of the time that you spent walking through those doors until you stand before Jesus. And you see just that moment that you just said, hey, buddy, how was your day? And they look at you like your head spun around because they've never had a man say anything to them before. They've never had direction in their life that says, hey, let me pray for you. Hey, let's get, tell me how was your week? I'm not talking rocket science here. I mean, I know that we're ordinary men. I'm not expecting you to be kids pastors. I'm only asking you to give me some of your time and do something extraordinarily that you're gonna need a lot of courage to go do. Now we have a plane that's gonna come by later if you wanna go do the, the you know, jump out without the parachute thing, then you can, I'll give you a pass. You can, you know, but this is a big deal for us. But let me come back to my message because I wanna, I wanna end with this. This is my journal. This is one of my first journals that I ever had. And I remember I talked about that verse in Psalm 24. I put the, look in your program because it's in your program. This is uh, Tuesday on 718. This is my journal. This is where I found this verse. It says, the earth is the Lord's, verse one, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift, who's not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Verse five, they will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from their savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Now, let me come back. Let me give you some context for this. So here's my journal. This is again, 718, uh, 1989. And so, I wrote this, just felt like something was going on in the heavens again. Lots of lightning tonight. The Lord gave me a sword that seemed like it was special. The one that was stuck in the rock, only a few could pull it out. Felt for sure that it was the sword of his word. And then I saw a man pulling the sword out of the rock. 
And then the Lord just spoke to me saying, do you want this? And he reminded me of Psalm 24, which I had read earlier tonight, verses 3, 4, and 5. This rock with a sword in it was on a hill, and then I asked, who may take it? And then he asked, do you want it? You've got to first ask yourself, do you want it? Who can ascend to thy holy hill? You ain't going to climb a hill you don't want to climb. You will go through all costs in your life to avoid that hill. You've got to find it in your heart to say, God, I need to climb in my relationship with you. This is what this becomes. If, let me give you a practical sense. We, this is how the Christian life should go. We grow in our understanding and we walk it out. What should happen next? If you've walked out your understanding of what God's doing in your life, what should happen here? What should you ask for? More. If we grow in our understanding, we should ask for more what? More, more understanding. Let me know you more. And then we'll walk it out. And then we get to hear what should happen. More understanding, and then we walk it out. Is that the way it works out in your life? I ask for more understanding. I walk it out, and then I come back down here, and I circle back around, and I, came, I come to the same understanding again, that I've got to cry out to Jesus, I've got to put my heart, to give my heart to him, I've got to ask him forgiveness, and so I grow in that understanding, and I try to walk it out again in my life. This is the plight of most Christians. Most Christians don't get to the next step, getting beyond that God loves you and he forgives you. I'm not saying that you ever forget it, but the fact that we have to grow and mature in our faith. If you want to climb the mountain, first you better decide, do I even want to go it? Do I even want to approach it? I like the idea of it, Charles. I'd rather you preach it, but for me to go climb that mountain, you don't know the circumstances in my life that it would take for me to go climb that mountain. You don't know what I'd have to face. You don't know what I'd have to repent of. You don't know what I'd have to do in my life to go, get the, to go do those things. And I realize that there are some tough things because as ordinary men, we goof up a lot. But God expects us to climb this mountain. He expects us to climb this mountain. Now, I want to give you some, this was a, another, God gave me a word on another day. This was on July 13th, 1989, about the same time before this. And I was crying out to God in my room. And I, he, he gave this to me. He says, son, I would say to you, even as you've cried out, I have heard you. I put in a little italics. It's full of glory. This was a moment that I was having with God. A moment I felt his presence. I could, it was on the floor. I mean, I was just trying to write and keep my head up enough to write. And I said, but Lord, what must I do? And he gave me some profound wisdom in this moment. I mean, guys, if you, you might want to write this down. Grab a pen and write this down. I promise you, you're not going to be disappointed. This is what he told me in that moment. He said, son, you should do and finish the things that I have told you to do already. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, Lord. You don't understand. I need something profound. I need something that shakes it up. I need Pastor Jamie or Kim to come in and preach a word that's so exciting to me that it's going to move me out of my rut and get me back on serving you 
And here's what God was saying to me. I just need you to do what I've told you to do already. This has been my life mission, just to finish the things that he's already given me to do, which are not really complicated things. They're pretty simple things. Tell the truth. Be honest. Let your yeses be yeses. Let your noes be noes. In my youth, I, I, I'm surprised, you know, Pastor Jamie and Kim, they're, they're my spiritual parents. And I'm, I'm amazed that I made it to this place with them because I, I, if he has any gray hair, I, I can't put it all on his daughters. I, I, probably a lot of it's me. But I sent him a text earlier and I said, thank you for being my spiritual father. And all him and Kim have tried to do in my life is to help me finish doing what God is doing in my life. If you want to climb this hill, you want to be a courageous man, you want to ask God to work in your life, then you're going to have to learn how to be a man filled with his spirit. You're going to have to learn how to be men that speak what they've seen and heard. You're going to have to become courageous and stand your ground. And above all, you're going to have to learn how to finish the things that God has already given you to do. Let's pray. I want to invite the team to come up for worship. Lord, I thank you that you love ordinary men. We don't boast in ourselves, we boast in you. Only you can help us be courageous. Lord, we face the world every day. We have to watch what we watch, guard what we listen to, guard what we say. And I pray, Lord, that you would move on us in that same way that you moved on Peter, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. That we could speak about you and what we've seen and heard you do in our life. And that we can stand our ground, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we climb and we grow in our understanding, as we walk out our faith with you, Lord, that you would just be there and just breathe on us and move these mountains in front of us. We want to climb, Father. We want to, we want to climb. I want to keep climbing and falling and climbing and falling, Lord. Help me to climb this mountain. <laughs>